Good morning, everybody. <laughs> All right, so our scripture reading today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with the 11th verse and ending in 14 and 15. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Let us pray. Dear Lord, even as the weight of our own sin was killing you, you still loved us. Because of this, move us through your Holy Spirit to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak. Teach us the kind of patience that is strengthened through understanding and devoid of defensiveness. You pursue us daily and hourly. Help us pursue each other in the same way. Amen. Amen. Thanks, sister. Appreciate that. Guys, if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you now to go ahead and open it to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. So just go ahead and kind of find your place there or on your phone or however you're going to do that. And that's the text we're going to be hanging out into this week. And again, my name is Evan. I'm one of the pastors. And I'm really thankful to be able to come to you this morning and preach the word of God and to sit under it together and and ask of God's word, what should we do with this? And today's sermon, I hope, my prayer at least, is that this is a very practical sermon for you and for me. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, you know that we're in a vision series. It's right behind us. We have amazing graphics that are helping communicate the truth of that. Thank you, Mel. But we are in a series called Known. And so we've been walking through the past two weeks of four weeks of understanding what is it that God has called this local church to be and to do. Now, real quick, I just want to say this because sometimes I get a little kind of confused as a church pastor sometimes. Like, you know, why are we doing vision and mission? It's like everyone does that. It's like this, everyone has a mission and a vision, right? Like it's just, gosh, who doesn't have one? I think kindergartens have them, you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with it, but why does a church have it? Well, we had a question of the week on that, but I just quickly want to say to you and to me this morning as we're thinking about mission and vision and strategy and we go to the word today, here's the thing, as simple as I can make it for you and for me, is we have a mission that is simply understanding what God wants for us. We're God's people, and so we want to look to God through his word and understand, God, what do you require of us? What do you want of your people And so the mission of Grace Hill is simply a way of trying to just synthesize that as best we can to try and be and rally each other around the vision and the understanding of what God wants us to do. That's what it's there for. And so the mission of Grace Hill, let's put it up on the screen. You can read it along as I say it out loud. And it's the mission of Grace Hill is to be a diverse community. That's biblical, right? It's to be a diverse community that follows Jesus. That's biblical. Who what? follows Jesus, loves people, and is safe to be known. Guys, that's all over scripture. That's all that is. So we're not trying to be cute. We're not trying to like, try to be like everybody else. We're just trying to be faithful in what we can call one another to together to be reminded of as his people of what we're here to do. And, and, and that's the mission. That's, that's what God wants for us. 
And so we've been spending the past two weeks going, okay, so how do we do that? And so Alan has walked through a strategy, and he came up with this really cute word, right? Does anybody remember the word, what we came up, what he came up with, with the staff? This. How are we going to do that? We're going to do it like this, right? Really clever and cute, right? But this is very specifically standing for the T is for teaching. It's to know God, be committed to the word of God so that we would know him in a, in a right way and, and be committed to the inspired and errant word of God. The H is for healing. And last week, that's where Alan focused us on is to go, how do we understand that, that we are in desperate need of God's healing in our own lives to be aware of our sinful nature and that we need God to come and save us and heal us. And last week he said, okay, well, so how are we going to do all that? How does this kind of all work together? And that was the job of our text this week to help explain where we find ourselves on the I. And I stands for incarnation. And for some of you, that's a really big word that you've heard before in church. And for others, you've never heard it maybe, or at least in a church setting. But really that is a core central doctrine that our God, the one that we were singing to this morning, that Nick was leading us to, to worship and sing out loud to him and, and to do that together is saying that God chose out of love to come down and be with you and me. That's the incarnation. And so what we wanna do as a church is we wanna model, look to Jesus, which the scriptures say, the author and perfecter of our faith, Follow his model of what it looks like to live in this world and how to do that together. So that's what we're gonna do today. And listen, part of this is really hard work and part of it's really, really good and, and sometimes easy work. But most good things in life don't happen really easily, do they? If we're honest with ourselves. And so today we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter 10 and we're gonna go, what does it look like to have an incarnation type of ministry here and, and follow that with Jesus? And so look, Alan's used this stool, right? You're wondering, this isn't a good coffee holder, but apparently this is a plant stand. But what Alan was doing over the past two weeks is he was saying basically the church over the past two, three generations has really just kind of been focusing primarily on one leg of the stool. And it's done it really well. And listen, we're, we're critical of ourselves because we care about ourselves, right? So don't mistake our criticisms of our own selves as the church at large as being just a critical spirit, but it's like we care a lot about it. Jesus loves his bride. And so we want to take that serious. And so Alan's just saying like, hey, we look over the past 23 years, we've kind of just been focusing on one part of the stool. And so it's hard for a stool to stay up on one leg. It, it just doesn't do it. And so then last week, he put the second piece on. And he's a lot more handy than I am. That's why I'm not going to unscrew it and screw it, because I'd mess it up. But last week, it was to know God was the first week. To know ourselves was the other week. That the church needs to be a place where we can know ourselves in light of who God has made us to be. And then we look this week, and we see the strategy that the Bible tells us over and over again to have a church that is healthy and functioning the way God wants it to do so it can stand in the midst of tensions. And boy, have we hit some tension recently, is to know others, to know one another. The incarnation of Jesus helps us to understand how do we relate with one another. And man, I, I can't wait to look at our text. So let's, let's do that. Let's, let's read the text of how do we accomplish, man, knowing God, knowing ourselves, and now knowing one another, so, man, that we are seeking to be a healthy church together doing the mission of God that he's put out for us. So would you open your Bibles? I think it's gonna be on the screen behind me as well. It's just two short verses. 
There's so much in these verses. Let's read them. I'm gonna read them out loud. You can follow along however you're doing that. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I wanna, I wanna work through this text together. Two verses. You'd be amazed at how much we can see in this and how much we don't have time for today. But we're gonna ring out this text as best as we can in the time that we've got. And then I wanna give you four practical things as the church that I think this scripture pulls for us and encourages us and actually implores us to be together. Four things, but let's hit our text first. So the context of Hebrews is Hebrews is really a sermon. It's really a sermon written to Jews in the time uh, where they were primarily Judaism was the primary, that was their main religion. And, and, and the writer, who we don't know exactly who it is, but he's preaching this sermon to these Jews who have committed their lives now to Jesus, which is crazy. Jews leaving Judaism and following this guy, Jesus, the way of Jesus that it says in the book of Acts. He is writing to them and he's saying, hey, I need to encourage you guys because guess what? These guys and gals are being persecuted for leaving Judaism and following Jesus. So the book of Hebrews, though it's massive and it's full and rich and deep, it is really a sermon of encouragement to discouraged people. And I can't think of anything better today than to be reminded to us in our own culture, a culture that is a discouraging culture to be a part of, do we not need to be encouraged ourselves? Hebrews is a word of comfort to us this morning. And the pastor is trying to say, to the Jews at that time, and to you and me today, hey, remember, knowing God, knowing yourself, putting yourself under the word of God, hey, remember, Jesus is better than everything else. Hey, Jesus is better. Like, listen to him. He's saying, like, I, I bet he would be doing something like this. Like, hey, no, look at me. I'm trying to encourage you. Jesus is better. Hey, Evan, Jesus is better, bro. Don't look to these other things. Jesus is better. Continue to stay on that path. I promise his ways are better than the world's ways. His ways are better than the culture's ways telling you to go back to Judaism or to do all of these things. Jesus is better. That's what it is. So he is helping us who are discouraged. And if you are discouraged, I pray you find encouragement today in this text. So the first things we want to do is I just want to look at these first few words so if it's on the screen, just that verse is gonna hang up there because we're gonna hang right here. What are the first few words? It says, and let us consider. And I just wanna stop there because there's a lot right here. And let us consider. What's the pronouns the, the preacher is using right away? Is it you or me or I? No, it's us. It's the gathering of believers together who are hearing this word, this letter, this sermon He's saying to you and me together, there's something collective already happening in let us, let us together this morning. Grace Hill, let us do this work. The next line is consider. I mean, this Greek, the word translated from Greek is really fascinating. It's really fascinating because it's really, it's like, hey, consider is this idea that you would observe carefully. You would slow down. Northern Virginianers, 
Do we slow down very well? No. We're probably looking at our watch already, right? Hang with me. Considering means we slow down and we carefully observe. And we're gonna figure out what's the context upon which we're to slow down and observe. What are we supposed to consider? Let's not move too fast through this, right? It's so easy to do this. Okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. I know other people and love them and do all that other stuff. No, no, no. Man, those are important words. Now, I wanna stop here. And why do I wanna stop here? I don't wanna belabor points here. But I just want us to recognize the context upon which we live. We live in a culture where those two things, to slow down and to be carefully considerate of other people, that is really hard. Am I the only one that thinks that's hard to do here? You drive around, they're like, oh no, after you, please. I've got all the time in the world. I might have a heart attack if I saw that. Something's really wrong. Our culture is individualistic and it's consumeristic. Guys, we were in staff meeting. Nick, Alan, Mel, Lindsay, and myself. Alan was asking me as I was getting ready to preach. He's like, <laughs> any of the staff's probably like, oh gosh. He's like, hey, Evan, how are you feel? What's, what's the feeling you're having towards this text? He's like, I want your raw emotions, Evan. It's gonna just kind of come out here. And if I'm honest with you guys, as I was studying the text and thinking about the culture that we live in, I was really angry. Like, I was straight up angry. All of them on the like, yeah, dude, Evan's like, dude, chill. Like, but those are my raw emotions. As I'm reading this text, as I see it in myself, I realize I'm a product of the culture I live in. I am, I am fiercely individualistic and I'm fiercely consumeristic. And that is in our churches. And I'm not here to rail on that, though I wanted to on Tuesday. I realized God was saying to me, Evan, that is you, bro. You're gonna stand up here and get upset at everybody else when I'm the one as a product of my own culture. And so I only bring up culture as a way for you and me today to think and consider like, hey, sometimes we don't even stop and realize the pool we're swimming in, right? Like, like stop and just recognize that those words that the Hebrews writer and pre- preachers saying to us are really countercultural because everything's me, me, me. And in churches, there's a, there's a, there's a video that's out called Church Hunters, right? Like house hunters, right? You've probably seen it because 18 million of you have watched it, myself included. And it's kind of funny, but it's actually pressing in on a real heart issue of ours. As we look at even churches, God's people come and go, what am I getting from this? And God's going, nowhere in the text of scriptures is there a context for people to just consume something from God. Nowhere. That does not mean that God is not cheerfully and willing to give himself, but his ethic over and over again is the opposite. What do I give? How do I serve other people? And so this call for us is just a real challenge, guys. This is a challenge for me. So that's why I don't want to run super fast past and let us consider because it's about other people and it's about us slowing down for those people. And we're not even done with the first line up there. But this is the challenge for us. Let that weigh heavy on you. Here's the deal. Our world's vision of community surrounds ourself. And God's vision of community is all about other people. It's the opposite. And that's what the Hebrews writer is saying. Hey, I've just spent nine chapters going through amazing things about Jesus being your high priest, being the ultimate sacrifice. And then he's stopping and saying, but hey, don't you, rem- don't you forget. Don't you forget that that same God who died for you and for me who came, who incarnated, who became a human, 
came to have presence with us and to slow down. His agenda was willing to be upset by us. And that was his plan from the beginning because he loves us. And so this is our model today. The next line is how to stir up one another. I love that word, stir. I love this word, stir. Stir is translated in so many different ways of saying rousing to activity. (laughs) Stirring up is the ESV translation we're using. But there's another translation that uses the word provoke. And I really like that one because it starts to get uncomfortable. Provoke? That's almost always a negative connotation. But in this scripture, provoking, stirring one another up has a a benefit for the other person. And so I really love this. I love this idea. And so I wanted to kind of give you just an, an, an example of what does this look like for us to stir one another up? Imagine with me, and it's hard to right now, imagine it's like January and you have a fireplace in your home. Of course, it's only a wood fireplace. There's no gas nonsense, right? Imagine you have a fireplace in your home and you put a bunch of wood in there and you get the fire going that's roaring, you're enjoying it. Maybe you then sit down, talk to your family, you have friends over and you just get immersed in conversation. And after a little bit, you look over and you notice the fire's kind of waned a bit. It's died down. It's not as big or as roaring as it once was. It's not giving them off as much heat as it used to. Well, there's this thing in my house we call the poker. I guess it's just called the fireplace iron. It's a tool. What do you do with that tool? Besides try to hurt your siblings. (laughs) Outside of that, its main purpose, primary purpose, is to actually go after the wood in the fireplace. And that wood has now burned down a bit and it has like it's charred and there's ash on it and little bits of flame here and there. And the poker is supposed to go and and, and, and provoke the wood, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? You start to push it. You rattle it around. And then what starts to happen as you do that? Air starts coming back around again. It knocks off some of those things. The wood, the, 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 the wood-burning fuel begins to like, take, take shape again, and then it becomes a raging fire at some point again, to whatever degree it does. It, it builds back up to its warmth and, and former glory, so to speak. See, the writer of Hebrews is saying that's what we're to do with one another. Are you discouraged this morning in any way, shape, or form? Are you weary in any sort of way of just the life that you've been living? Good, good things are going on, job, whatever it is, but maybe just becoming a little bit apathetic, a little indifferent to God and his word, to his church, to his people around you? See, I think the writer of Hebrews recognizes we're all a little bit like that wood burning in the fireplace. That at one point we could be a raging fire, being a good source of energy to those around us and to the kingdom of God. But if you're like me, you can start to wane a bit, cool off a little bit. Life can have a way of doing that to each of us. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, Stir, stir each other up. Go, go take the fireplace iron of sorts to one another. Hey, I want to see you on fire again. And I don't mean that cheesy on fire for Jesus thing. I mean, no, like your affection for Jesus is increasing again. 
You're being reminded that Jesus is better, just like the Jews at that time had to be reminded. You gotta be poked so that the fire starts to rage again and you can be of service to God in the way he's made you and gifted you, not just for yourself, but for other people. That's the illustration we get from the writer of Hebrews and how to stir one another up to love and good works. So, so one of the questions I was just thinking about is like, so you wanna talk about knowing others and having this incarnational reality of being the church, well, Evan, what do I stir someone up to do? Like, is there a list of things? It's a really good question. I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us a specific answer to what are the exact things that's supposed to look like. And the reason why is it says love and good works up there is because it's all manner of life. The scripture says worship is life, living it, eating, drinking, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God, whatever you do. So man, our call is to encourage one another where you're at today. Like I know where you are today because I can then ask you, hey, how's it going today? And hey, what are you interested in? And it's gonna get to one of the four C's, but I wanna just talk about it now. It's this idea of being curious about each other. Loving one another is being curious and going, man, who are you and what are you about? What do you love? What do you dislike? What's your personality like? How, how can I help then like kind of poke you a little bit more to go, oh man, I wanna see you. I wanna see you on fire. I wanna see that fire start burning more in your life. And then I can be more specific, but the scriptures don't tell us, it's love and good works. It's all that you do. So the scripture gives us very general terms so we can be very specific with the people that we find ourselves with, i.e. one another as a family. You have to know someone in order to stir them up to love and good works. And see, here's the thing, it can't be the nicety. I'm gonna press a little bit on the gas right now. I've grown up in the church my whole life and it's so easy, and I do this too, so I'm just as guilty here. It's so easy to do this, the nicety, come to Grace Hill, it's not all of you. I'm just using Grace Hill as an example. Every church I've been a part of and that I have been a part of, I've done this. Come, great, I finally made it. Oh my goodness, that, it was a victory in of itself. I'm here, great, okay, sermon's okay, especially the today, which is Alan preaching. And okay, Nick did awesome, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, great, it's a good word. I took a little bit of it. It's like, hey, good, see you, see you, high five, okay, 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 okay. Maybe I'll see you, maybe I won't, probably not. Hey, Jesus loves you, cool, 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 cool. And then we're off. Like, hey, what I'm saying is that is not what the author of Hebrews is saying to you and me. And that is oftentimes what we find ourselves doing sometimes, isn't it? If you're, if you're honest, isn't it easy? I just wanna hurry up and get out. I wanna hurry up onto the next thing. And a church isn't this subtlety to say, hey, Jesus loves you, go and do good things for God. The writer of Hebrews is saying, you gotta know someone in order to stir them up to love and good works. Who do you know? Are there people in this church that you know? Do you know where they're at, where they're struggling, where they need to be encouraged? I got a phone call the other night. I don't wanna put them on the spot, but it's just an example. I was talking to them about something else as it related to the church, and this person stopped at the end of the conversation and simply said, I want to encourage you, and gave me a specific encouragement. And this is what my wife and I were talking about the other night as it related to you. Somewhat completely unrelated to what we were talking about. But this person was showing this consideration of me, which was so incredibly kind. And little did they know that I was in a spot that day of being really discouraged about some things. And yet that gave me life and they gave me something specific because they knew me and had observed me and were able to then say in a short sentence to speak life to me. 
So it's not hard. But it is specific, and it is because we get to know each other in different ways to be able to do that. Does that make sense? Stirring one another up is an exercise of knowing people enough to start to recognize what God has actually gifted them in and how that can relate to their life and to others. That's how we stir one another up to loving good works. I wanna share another story because I know we live in a culture built around what does it look like for me but there's a spot of this where I really want to like say like, hey, like, it is good because it is about you in a lot of ways. And here's what I mean by that. To consider how to stir up one another to love and good works and to know someone is to be able to speak even more life to them than even just what I just shared before. I want to give a story. When I first moved up to Northern Virginia in 2003, I just graduated college and I knew everything about life. I was just ready for it. Come on, let's do this. Got it. I knew what I was going to be. I knew how much money I was going to make. I knew everything. I knew everything. It's a joke. I was super insecure. I didn't know anything. I was afraid. I didn't want to wear a tie to work because it seemed like, oh, I want to be careful. It kind of felt like hell to me. No offense to those who love ties, uh, but they choke you. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. But anyway, I digress. But I was up here, and then I got to a, a church, and a pastor of mine had said, hey, here's two churches I want you to consider being a part of. And I'll be honest with you, my faith at that time, it was, uh, if anyone knows me, this is kind of the view of my life, an emotional roller coaster, but my faith was a little bit like that too. And I was more down here. I kind of lived for me. I knew God. I could say the right things. I could come here and do the high fives and a couple cool verses here and there, but man, my life wasn't merely being transformed. So I go to this church and I start to meet a couple people. I'm single. And I just stay with this one church and I get involved and I start to do a couple of things and uh, I start to meet a couple of people. It's actually where I ended up meeting my, my wife. Um, it's not about her today, but this was more about I was committed to coming to this place because I really wanted to be connected. So for me, that was important. So long story short, I meet a couple of people, and that was 2003. In 2021, those people that I met then are still some of the most important people in my entire life. So here's the example. I start to live with this guy, and I don't know him for that long, but we, we move in together, and I'm paying uh, rent to, to live with him, and he loves Jesus, and I kind of loved Jesus at that time. And my life's a mess. I was in a relationship. Oh, my gosh, Stacy, we'd take you two hours to tell the disaster of my relational history um, uh, in all seriousness. And so at that point, I was trying to work through some of that, and I said one night, I came, and I said, hey, Patrick, bro, I'm going to pray for brokenness. A weird thing to say. I was like, I'm going to do that. So I'm, yeah, felt like this is what I'm going to do. And he goes, and he just looks at me, and he says, bro, like, that is one prayer God will answer, like, quickly. And I'm like, cool. The next six to nine months were the most difficult in some ways of my life. And God was pruning me of so much sin in my life and things and decisions I'd made and people I'd hurt and my wife, my future wife who I'd hurt, all these different things. And what had happened was I had a guy in my life who was consistently there over six to nine months and got to watch and encourage me as I was struggling through trusting God and going, am I really gonna trust him in this way? And 
ask for forgiveness and, and go to these people and do these things? Am I really going to do that? I didn't want to do it. And he was there to help stir me up and say, Jesus's way is better, Evan, I promise you. And he encouraged me and I stayed with it. And I am so thankful because today that brother is still able to speak into my life in deeper ways than ever before and to spur me on. And you know how that happened? It happened by just being here amongst God's people. Like there's no magic formula. Like I don't know how to do that other than just going and obeying God's word and saying, don't neglect to gather. That's the next verse. So if you wanna go to the next verse as it sits up there, that's what the writer is saying. He's like, hey guys, like it's simple. This is how this works. Don't neglect to gather as the habit of some. Because remember, it's not about you. It's about other people. Man, if Patrick and Stacy and Anna and Kevin and all those people who are some of the most precious people in my life who know everything about me, if they had not been committed to gathering together, I would have never, I wouldn't be here. I know that. And I bet the same is true for each of you in different ways and in different types of stories. And this is the encouragement that author of Hebrews is encouraging you to be. It's like, hey, stay committed together. That's one of our C's. Commit. Stay. Man, those friends in my life committed to me, but first they committed to God and his view of the church. And they showed up and they were consistent. And they were like, hey, Evan, you're jacked up. And I was, and I still am. And yet they still chose to go, man, I am going to encourage you. What's the next part of this? The whole point of gathering together as God's people is to be encouraged. Listen, the word literally is parakleo. Literally, the Greek word, what that means, it's to come alongside of someone. It's to address, it's to speak, call upon. It's to admonish, to exhort, to beg, to entreat, to strive, to appease, to console, to encourage, to strengthen, to give consolation, to comfort, exhorting, comforting, encouraging, instruct, teach. Those are all of the things, if you go to the Strong's or you go to any lexicon in the Greek of what that word means to encourage, all of those things come up. That's what we're here for every week, not once, not occasionally, not just here in the gathering, but as God's people, this is what we are to do with one another. My friend knows that I struggle with anxiety and I think depression is probably goes both hand in hand at times and it's been a battle for me for like 10 years, over 10 years. And I used to be so afraid to share that with people. I didn't have a context for being vulnerable about that because I was like, I'm a dude and I wanted to be like cool and I wanted y'all to think I got it together. And man, I was crumbling on the inside. I thought I was dying. Still do sometimes. And I had to go get help. But one of the first things I got to do is start to share with this group of people Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm really anxious. You know what I was met with? Wow, man, I, I had no idea. Yeah, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty brutal, actually. Um, like Stace, like sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I don't need to give you all the gory details, but I'm happy to at some point. But, man, I started to share that with my friends. And you know what? They are like, they're not emotional dudes. They're like pretty normal dudes. I'm not like a normal dude. But you know what? It's not, it's not the point. The point is they reach out to me and they're going, hey, bro, how are you? No, 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 really. Like, are you in a spot right now? 
In fact, one time we were having dinner and we were laughing and having a good time, having some drinks and just enjoying each other. And then all of a sudden, somebody asked one question and then turned and goes, hey, man, like, how is that going like with your anxiety and your, like, your heart stuff? Like, I don't really have a heart issue, but I think I do. And that's what I get so anxious about. And you know what? I was in a terrible spot in that moment. And all of dinner immediately just stops and it turns on me and it feels really awkward. But you know what they did? They stopped. And man, they were, they were kind of grieving with me as my friends and people who love me. And they just looked at me and they put their, they got up and this is not what we do all the time, but they came and they put their hands on me. And I mean, I just started weeping because I was like, man, I feel so seen and heard. And like, I was struggling and I didn't even want to share it because we we're having a good time. And then someone considered me and slowed down and goes, oh, I'm going to ask that question. And that night was one of the most beautiful Holy Spirit nights that I've ever experienced. And guess what? It wasn't in the walls of a building, so to speak. It was with God's people. And so I just want to encourage you, if you don't have that, this is the place it is to happen. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is the model upon which we look to, to say, Jesus came towards you and me in the sin and in the mess and the brokenness. It was not embarrassed, was not put off by anything. Instead, he said, there's no condemnation for you and I'm coming for each of you and I know each of you individually, every hair on your head, the anxiety, Evan, that you have. Whatever it is for you, the marriage problems, the et cetera, the pornography, whatever it is, I know it all. And guess what? I'm still coming for you. And God's people, we are those people too. So I want us to be like that. I just want us to keep practicing that. It's hard work, but it's worth it. Encourage is literally to give courage. This pastor is saying, encourage, give courage to each other every day. Every day, you have no idea what the person next to you is going through. You have no idea the person behind you or in front of you. You have no idea what they're going through. Step in. And I want to close with it. Step in with these four things. Four C's to hopefully make it really simple. Four C's. Commitment. Consistency. Content is certainly God. But the content is one another. That's what he's talking about. Look at each other. Look at the people around you. They are the content for you. And the vehicle upon which you can encourage and give strength to someone with whatever it is they're facing today is curiosity. Ask a question. Start there. Take one step and then another. And then you never know if it's 18 years later, you have people who have literally been at war with you and aren't ashamed of anything about your life. And you can go to them and you can say, I need help here. Or they're going to go, how are you doing with that? And it might be the moment when you were going, man, I'm in a bad, tough spot. And I needed God's people to come in and remind me that God is with me to spur me on. Those are the four C's that we want our church to rally around as we see the scriptures call us to this. I could talk over and over and I could give more and more stories of this. I can tell you that that happens here, but I also know there's some of you in here who have never tasted that. And I want to just, I want you to look at that. I want you to, to look at this today. I, I, I wish I could paint this picture for you. But what I can tell you is that when that happens, and all the more as you see the day drawing near, the more vulnerable you are with one another, the more vulnerable 
the community around us will be, and the more you'll recognize there's some consistent themes that you might see that other people are sharing. You're not alone. Do you know what I found out with anxiety with other dudes? There's so many that struggle with it, but have been just as afraid as I have. And man, that goes for whatever it is you're going through. Divorce or a struggle with a marriage or pornography or hating a job or needing a job or wanting a relationship and not having it yet. Like everything, everything under the sun, God is saying, come to this place to be encouraged. So friend, if that's not you today, if that's not been your experience, first, I just wanna say I'm sorry, but I get it. The culture's really hard. The culture in our churches in the West are really hard. They're very me-centered. But listen, be encouraged that God is at work here. I've heard story after story already, even in our community groups. And listen, community groups are awkward. Not everybody likes them. It's like, well, Evan, you're extroverted. No, there's no extrovert in the Bible. It says, don't neglect to gather. If you're an introvert, it's for you just as much as it is for me, even though I might like people and you might not as much. It's okay. God's still saying, be together. You have something for someone else. So friend, if that hasn't been your experience, I'm sorry. But this will be an imperfect place where that will always be the goal. Not because Alan said it or Nick said it or I said it, but because the word of God says all the more as the day draws near that Jesus returns, all the more in the culture that we live in that is so discouraging and critical that we need one another. It's been the same since the writer of Hebrews preached this sermon to the Jews who were discouraged. And it's the same that we're being preached to today from the word of God. Do not neglect to gather as the habit of some, but encourage one another as we see the day drawing near. Heavenly Father, I just, I pray, Lord, I I know this is a text that in small ways is, it's easy to say sometimes, God. It can look good on a coffee mug or a Pinterest picture or something like that. But God, I, I, I know in the realities and the throes of life that each of us find ourselves in, there's some of us who are really in, in a bad place. And maybe we've been in that place for a long, long time. We've grown really cynical, God, about your church and your people and Lord, we just want to take time and even just confess, God, as your people, we have, we have not modeled this well all the time, Father. We have not been a people who have been focused on other people. We have not sought the interests of others first all the time, God. We've been far more concerned at times of being right than being caring and loving and gracious and kind and compassionate. Lord, that is true of me and my life, God. And yet what I'm so thankful of is when you get to come and you gather weekly with, with rhythm over and over again, we get reminded of your great love for us that never stops coming after us. No matter what we've done or what we've thought or what we've said or what we didn't do or what we didn't say, God, your love continues to come and you remind us that you're with us. And so, Lord, I pray for Grace Hill Church. God, give us the strength through your Holy Spirit to be committed to being people who give courage to one another, who are committed, who are consistent, who look towards other people as the content and are curious and going after each other, Lord. That that is just a rhythm that we do, even as awkward as it is at times, Lord. We're gonna consistently do that because your way is better. And so, Father, I just pray as we even get a chance to respond to you and your love for us, 
Father, I pray for those who are just discouraged. Father, my prayer is that they would even cast themselves to you now as we sing, God, with us. Lord, whether it's with tears or in the quietness of their own heart, Lord, whatever that is, Lord, that they would just even share, Lord, I've been hurt by the people of God before. I don't wanna do this again. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit in this moment would meet that sister or brother and soothe their wounds from other people. Lord, I have them. And know that there are people in this church who want to encourage them, genuinely so, that want to stir them up to love and good works, that aren't gonna leave them, that are committed and will always be there, God. Lord, help us to be that people. God, help us. Pray this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus.